and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 Podcast. I am Joel A. Erickson. I am joined, as always, by Nate Atkins. We are on a Massachusetts highway heading back from uh, Gillette Stadium back up to Boston so we can fly out of here tomorrow. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know where this podcast is going to go. We're in the car, uh, so I assume it's actually get, we're actually going to have some stuff to talk about. But it's, it's just... I guess I guess where I'm feeling is there's just not anything to it's it's hard to know what to talk about with this team because it's it's we're nine games in and the story feels set in stone now. It doesn't feel like anything's changing, anything's gonna be different. I mean the Colts offensive line is bad. Um I, I know there were some uh some very, very so I think some people that people respect saying that they'd had been playing better, um in terms of like people who study offensive line play online, uh, that kind of thing, I saw that and, and thought maybe I needed to reevaluate. But today, today throws all that stuff out of the water. Nine sacks. Frank Reich and Sam Ellinger tried to take some of the uh, heat off of the offensive line in their post-game press conferences. I understand why they had to do that, but just. We'll just start there. We'll start on the offensive line. I, I just don't – the offensive line doesn't deserve that at this point. Um, I understand that that's like what you do as a teammate, what you do as a coach. You try to keep from putting the blame on people. But this this offensive line, it's the root of everything that's happened this season. Um, it's, it's turned into the thing that's going to derail uh, <laughs> derail a, a franchise's direction, it feels like. And, and they got to wear it. It's it's they gotta wear it. The everything I the story I wrote it's gonna be posted in the morning, um, so probably around probably before you guys hear this podcast. But um, the story I wrote today was just it's from the top down. It starts with Chris Ballard, and it goes all the way down through the players. But it's it's a bad, truly terrible offensive line. Um, and I'll let you go for a second here, Nate. But I, I wrote this story, so there's a, I got there's a lot of different ways to take this. Yeah, I mean, we've been hard on them all season long. And I remember I was thinking the same thing this week with, you know, the the words coming out that they've been playing better. And Frank Reich had said that when he kind of justified, you know, keeping Chris Strasser. But, you know, even though he fired his offensive coordinator, he thought they were moving in the right direction. And they had finally gotten the same five guys uh, to play for a while today. It obviously changed a little bit with Bernard Ryman stepping in at left tackle. But, um yeah, they're just it's hard to make excuses for this group because it's hard to even find those at this point because this offensive line has until today when when Dennis Kelly couldn't play, I believe that's the first time they've missed any of the guys they wanted to start in a game. And we're we're 9 games in and that like that is honestly a golden bill of health to have on the offensive line in this sport. So if this was a situation where they had a bunch of injuries or guys in and out or any of that, you could you could do some excuse making for them, but they just don't have it. The reason that they're changing, the reason they're having this disarray with different combinations and guys moving spots is because they're not performing. Matt Matt Pryor has now been benched at three different positions and they keep trying him a different one and isn't working and then they wind up benching him. And, you know, Bernard Ryman had stepped into a job and then lost to Dennis Kelly and um, who they thought all along was a backup. And then you know he's he's been okay, but he's you know not been great. And uh, yeah, they just it's hard to find excuses for them because they've been healthy. They're the highest paid unit. Um, it is I agree, totally agree when it comes to Chris Ballard. I totally agree that it's it was sort of an illogically constructed unit in some ways, uh, starting with 
kind of the bets they took on Matt Pryor and, and Danny Pinter, but the players they have from, from Quentin Nelson to Braden Smith to Ryan Kelly to uh, the coaches they have and what they've had to work with, with that bill of health that they've had, just none of it adds up to excuses. It's hard to buy. This is big boy football. This is the NFL where you've got to find a way. And at almost no point this season did I feel like that unit has found a way. I guess like if I'm if you're really looking to pick a nit, you could say like down the stretch against Houston in the first game, which again is one of the worst nope. teams in football. Nope. You got to throw. It. You have to throw it out because of how bad they are against the run. You just have to. Yeah, that's true. That's that's absolutely that, that's, true, that, and that, that was the only that, time that team that, is headed for a historically bad t- defensive season against the run. Yep, and that was the only time that Jonathan Taylor has crossed 100. So that's exactly it. He crossed 100 against a team that pretty much everybody crosses 100 against. So again, even that, anything you try and find that becomes a positive for them, you can cut down with something like that because it's usually like there's another reason for it. They have not gone out there in any moment where. You know they've had to do something somewhat difficult and done it well. That's just what it is at this point. They are they're five guys, you know. And if you want to add in a sixth when we talk about you know the tight end and what they do in the run game, fine. But it, the blocking in this team has just been so terrible that we're at a point where the story I wrote was about how they've got these young pieces in the passing game who've all shown some level of promise or improvement or upside. Uh, you know, talk about Michael Pittman Jr. and Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce and, you know, even little moments from Deion Jackson and Kylan Granson. And none of it, none of it matters even a little bit because their offensive line can't block and it keeps getting people hurt. They're without Jonathan Taylor because the offensive line has gotten him hurt. Naheem Hines asked for a trade because, you know, he he had a concussion. He had, you know, he got ripped down by a face mask. And obviously there's other things that led to him, him kind of wanting out. But the, the root of all evil is still the offensive line. All of this stuff that's gone wrong, the guys they've lost, uh, the guy they had to bench at quarterback, everything goes back to the fact that they put all this money into an offensive line that's had everybody healthy pretty much the whole year and has almost every single game not gotten it done at a high level or even, a, even an average level. And for as long as I've said this at times, written in times, as long as they have a bad line, they're a bad team. And every game that they come out and that's the case, this is where they're going, which is nowhere good. There's a couple of pieces to the Ballard piece of this. So I don't know that anyone would have assumed that Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, and Ryan Kelly would be truly bad. I, I, I didn't see that coming. I don't, if, if somebody out there saw that coming and realized that they were, those guys were all going to be bad, I you should buy the Powerball ticket or whatever that's like way up there right now because I don't I don't think most people saw that so there's there's the one piece of that now part of that is but it is up to Ballard to know that that's going to happen Um, but then I would say that the other piece of this with Ballard is he did pay those guys Um, he built around those players so you have to judge him on that I think the other thing with Ballard is Chris Ballard has said over and over again ever since I've been here and since before I was here, when he first got here, that he believes you build through the offensive and defensive lines, he's put that on himself. Like, that's that's his own judge of himself is the offensive line has to be good. So for those three players not to be playing well, I don't know how he would have seen it coming. No one else seemed to really see that coming. But it is on him. Like, he put that on him. And then the other piece, I think, is much much clearer with Ballard, like where he messed up. And why they saw like what what started what's going on with the offensive line? They they bet heavily on two guys with no track record of 
success or even playing time at the positions that they were betting on them, and they didn't do enough to back those guys up. Um, betting on Pryor uh, after one game at left tackle, it was foolish. Um, betting on Danny Pinter alone without re-signing Chris Reed, without bringing another veteran in, uh, you know, a, a proven veteran, somebody who had some something going for them. Uh, like like a Chris Reed, like a, a Mark Lewinsky when they got him, something like that. That was that was obviously that was a mistake um, that we know now in hindsight. Um, and like Ber- the drafting of Bernard Ryman, I I don't think you can. I don't think you can just give up on Ryman yet. I mean, it's only nine games into his rookie season. He was super raw. There is some stuff there. Uh, I don't, but I, I ultimately don't think Ballard was counting on that pick happening. Uh, they thought they were going to get two of their three guys, and the two they picked first were uh, Alec Pierce and Jelani Woods. I, I don't, I don't think they were counting. Like he made the pick, and so they have a, a young tackle. Okay, like we can say that, but I don't think they were counting on that pick. Um, so then you were going in with with Pryor as your starter as your stopgap, and then Dennis Kelly, who has told me before that he is not he's primarily played right tackle he's better at right tackle so that that plan is what well, is and was inherently flawed um and that like just from a ballard perspective there's the two pieces of it or three pieces of it but it ultimately comes down to he's said himself so many times that he obsesses about the offensive and defensive lines you have to judge him on the stuff that he judges himself by and this is one of the worst offensive lines in football so that that's the ballard piece then you get to the coaching piece. Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson talked about a lot of the different things that they don't think are going right right now. And like it was technical, it was communication, it was game planning. I think the quarterback has something to do with that, but but this is something that that Reich has generally been good at, and I think that that means that if they're not good at these things, that does fall on Chris Strasser and Kevin Mawai. Yeah, and I would say that's the other bet that this franchise has made that is not paying off. They're putting a lot on Chris Strasser in his ability to coach and also evaluate because when it comes to guys like Danny Pinter and uh, Matt Pryor, he's the one who saw them every day in practice. And the things that we saw them not be able to do once they got into the new positions were things that were obvious to us in training camp and I think just had to have been obvious before now. We're talking about Danny Pinter when he would go one-on-one in pass blocking just gets bull rushed Lack and, of power. And, and taken over. And like it, it's just not there. So I don't know and how you prior, didn't see that. With prior issues with speed, and right? When, with prior it was, yeah, he's 343 pounds and he's got no foot speed and, and he has said, they asked him last year, Chris Strasser asked him last year uh, we'd like to train you more as a left tackle, play you more there. And he told them, I don't think that's my position. He felt more comfortable on the right side. He felt more comfortable inside. And they they, they went they put that on him. And, he of course, he went with it. He needed a job. And, I mean, he deserves, you know, accountability for that too. But they're the ones that could have seen this coming. And things like today when the Patriots had a very easy game plan with uh, when Matt Pryor's are at right guard, is they would just kind of loop their defensive ends in. Matt, Matthew Judon, who's super athletic, would just stunt in. And Matt Pryor's got no chance in that matchup. That's why they ended up benching him for, for Will Fries, is you can't give what you don't have, and he does not have the foot speed to do it. So if he doesn't have that at, at right guard, I don't know how you think he could have it as a left tackle when he's also you know, not 
he's he's not comfortable there. He's never done it before, and it's high. And they but but yet they did do it some in practice. He started a game there last year enough to say they should have at least had questions about it. Maybe at most they could be interested in those players in those positions. But to to uh, just again again they said you know Pinter's our guy, Pryor's our guy, and didn't really try to bring other options in because like you said they kind of fell into Bernard Ryman and they admitted you know he's so far away he's developmental. They didn't try early anything at guard. Uh, just just the lack of options at those spots um, is jarring. And again they keep they keep kind of betting on this idea of a track record and and Chris Strasser's training which. You know, I, I know they've had success in the past, but they put so many eggs in that basket, and it does look kind of odd right now when they finally ended up firing a coach on the offensive side of the ball, and it's not related directly to that position. Instead, it was a game-planning position, and you know now they have to, to kind of wear that as they go out and they have three points and nine sacks, and it's one of the worst offensive games I've ever watched. Then there's the player piece of this, and – this is the piece with Nelson and Kelly and Smith. We don't know. Um, no one's told us that, that they're not the same players physically as they used to be. Um, if Nelson isn't the same player he physically was used to be. I mean, the Colts flat out told us that they thought he was good to go. Chris Ballard said that last January um, when I asked him about all of his surgeries from last year. And then they paid him. And then they paid him. So they clearly thought. So if there is a, a physical toll catching up with like Ryan Kelly with Nelson with Smith I don't know no one is saying that um, I think with Kelly it's probably the most reasonable but they, it's also on these guys like some of the stuff that they were talking about is stuff that you were expecting that these guys to be the bedrock for and then you feel like you can take more risks I guess not that they were good risks but you feel like you feel like that those guys are going to provide a stable base for you to figure out left tackle and, and right guard as you go along, and they haven't they haven't played anywhere near there. There's there's some bad. There's been some really bad Quentin Nelson highlights over the last couple of weeks. Just one on one stuff. Um, Ryan Kelly hasn't moved anybody lately. There's the Braden Smith. Is, Smith is got a beat a couple times. Is, a day. is the same is in the same spot. Like so, it's also on these players. They got paid. They're supposed to be the linchpins of the offensive line. They're not playing with like it, and like I understand the coaching piece, but veteran players who have been good are supposed to be like they're supposed to be good. They're just like it's not supposed to be a, a coaching piece. They're supposed to be somewhat finished products, and. And they're not playing like that, and they—that's instead they've—they've they've sunk into the morass of everything else that's on the offensive line. It's—it's—it's it's, it's top down. It's everything from the top down, and I think that the way that this is most obvious is that the the the, the offensive line's culpability is most obvious because, like, generally, generally what happens with teams or offenses when they go bad is that their weaknesses end up becoming too strong. But the, the, the difference with the Colts this year is that the stuff that Frank Reich's offense has always been good at, they're bad at all of them. And it didn't used to matter if they had an issue at one tackle spot. or Because, uh, I mean, there were games in 2020 that, that, that Anthony Costanzo missed, and they still only gave up 21 sacks. Uh, there were... 
there were there was times when they had shifting at guard even last year and they had the second best rushing attack in football they there were times that they didn't have their best running back jonathan williams in 2019 rushed for 100 yards twice behind the offensive line i love jonathan williams as a person he's generally a journeyman running back um, so Taylor's absence, like there were the, even even Taylor's rookie year, when Tom Rathman wasn't sure if he wanted to play Taylor, and they they kind of went through some Hines and Jordan Wilkins stuff. They always had a rushing attack. They don't have any of that stuff right now, and that speaks to the offensive. That speaks to the offensive line's just complete failure this season. I I don't think that all of a sudden the offense, like they forgot how to do those things. Those those were the linchpins of the offense for four years through four different quarterbacks. All of a sudden, the offensive line cannot play, and it's in the stuff that, like, the hallmarks of the offense are no longer hallmarks. And and Sam Ellinger said today, we need to find an identity. That's that's because their identity was been taken from them by the tr- struggles of the offensive line. Yeah, the story I ended up writing was very similar to that, which is, you know, they've they've got a passing game right now. Uh, with a quarterback and Sam Ellinger, receivers and Michael Pittman Jr., Paris Campbell, Alec Pierce, uh, Kylan Granson, and then a running back in Deion Jackson, who are all 25 years and younger. Like they don't have chemistry, they don't have experiences to rely on to work out of struggle. They don't have an identity. They're trying to learn it. And what we thought that this team would have are those other parts that they could lean on. And there were three pieces I thought were prongs of infrastructure and identity that they could lean on because we knew they would be young in some of those spots and the uh, as far as the, the passing game pieces and those were a superstar running back Jonathan Taylor while well, he's hurt those were you know an offensive uh, scheme that's that's very stable uh, well they fire an offensive coordinator so it's not as stable and then it's the offensive line and the identity and security they had and physicality up front and kind of all these all the all three of those issues are lacking and they all kind of are lacking because the offensive line is so lacking and that's what has gotten them to a point where I don't think they would have fired an offensive coordinator if they had a top 10 offense because their offensive line is playing really well so I think that has led to that and I think you know Jonathan Taylor got hurt uh, he's a, he, he came in seeming like a super durable player, but all running backs are human if they take this massive toll and the type of hits he's taking, getting him hurt. Naheem Hines told me he prided himself on being a highly durable player who'd never missed a game, and then all of a sudden he takes a shot and has concussion. The first game back, he gets yanked down by his face mask. I don't think he was going to hold up staying here. So he's almost like part of him going to Buffalo – uh, whether it was a direct motivation or not, I think is about preservation. He's a five-nine guy who's trying to survive. All this stuff, you know. And then Matt Ryan got hurt, and and Jim Mersey pinned it on the offensive line for getting for not protecting, and now he got hurt. And so, kind of all of this stuff has gone back to the fact that the offensive line was supposed to keep the most brutal hits off of players and give them a chance to be stars. They're not doing that for the running backs and quarterbacks. And so then those the talent that we see, the upside we see at, at wide receiver and Pierce and Pittman and, and Campbell, who all have had high, high ceiling moments this year in, or, or last year with Pittman more, uh, it's, it's not showing up. It doesn't seem to matter. Those guys can't work through it. They can't work through it with a quarterback who is a six-round pick who's not experienced and and I think that's another area that, that came out today and um, is that Sam Ellinger looked more like 
you know, a day three pick making his second start on the road against Bill Belichick. Yeah, this is a this is a good time to shift away from the offensive line and get to the Ellinger piece of, of this. Um, rough rough performance from Ellinger. Uh, it, it he had a hand in some of the sacks, uh, not all of them. Again, the offensive line was bad, but there there were some that the balls just got to come out of his hand. Uh, some that he he tried to scramble around and it, it made things worse. Um, he missed Michael Pittman on a deep ball. He missed a running back on a on just a little flare that you got to have, you got to hit. Like you just said, it wasn't very accurate. He was clearly uncertain of where he was throwing it. Even they had, they had one completion of 20 yards or more uh, on a crosser to Alec Pierce that both Nate and I felt was actually got to him late, that he was open earlier in the route. And yep. maybe if you get it to him earlier, it's a bigger play. Um, yeah, just, just a, a tough start. I, I thought the one thing he did – well was he took care of the ball i know he had the interception but that was on kylan granson as a bad drop you know the ball was in his hands um but other than that i mean 103 passing yards on i can't remember how 29 attempts yep that is an abysmal yards per attempt especially when you add in the sack yards i can't do the math in my head but it's an abysmal yards per attempt uh yeah it's like 3.6 yards yards per attempt um it just just a rough and we kind of knew this we kind of knew this was going to happen with Belichick like you don't play well against Belichick as a as a young quarterback it's just kind of the the unless you're Justin Fields we've got decades of this um yeah and the Bears did it by running mostly uh you know that we've got a couple decades of this to know that this is going to happen so you, you can't write off Ellinger you know what we saw from him last week where he, you know, it looked like he belonged, that kind of thing. Uh, but just, just a rough outing for him, a, r- a rough outing, a kind of a welcome to the NFL. This is really hard type of moment for him. Yeah, no question. And I want to, you know, I want to clarify that I don't, I'm not trying to be hard on Sam because he's not supposed to be in this position. He is, he, we talked to him in the preseason and he said, you know, I'm hoping to make the roster. I'm hoping to sit and learn for three years behind these veterans and read you know develop my arm and maybe down the road i can step in and be a backup and he's doing the best that he can do out there but this is just what happens when you don't have experience and also you just don't have you know all the tools in the world uh, to overcome that so this week i was on a couple of different you know patriots podcasts i was on the Patri- patriots pregame show in studio in their in their studio today and both of them asked me about you know one of the struggles that the Patriots have had this year is with highly mobile quarterbacks with Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Justin Fields have all really given them a problem. And they asked, you know, can Sam Ellinger be the next? And I said, well, Sam Ellinger isn't either of those three. Those three were all first round picks, high draft picks. Two of those are in Allen or in, uh, Lamar and Fields are just super fast. And then Allen is, is 6'6". Ellinger is 6'1". He's fairly mobile he's got good mobility he doesn't have what Lamar and what Fields have and that's you saw that on those plays some of those scramble plays where he tried to get out of early pressure or he's scrambling when there was a little bit of a pocket he doesn't have that to just sort of reverse the field and run around and up the sidelines and he certainly doesn't have it to truck the way that Josh Allen does so you know so so it does put more pressure on his ability to win uh with his arm and um you know, and that's developing. So this was just a likely outcome when you look back on it. I guess you could say, I mean, it's surprising it was this bad on some levels. But, you know, 
it goes back to all that other – he needs a foundation around him to even have a chance against Bill Belichick on the road. And there's no Jonathan Taylor, but more than that, there's – you know, he lost his offensive coordinator in the middle of the week, and his offensive line, you know, doesn't perform at all. And that just all adds up to what ultimately was you – know, I mean, it's a – an all-time bad performance for the offense 014 on third down 2.1 yards per play which is the lowest in franchise history but it's not that shocking when you consider on the road against Matthew Judon and Bill Belichick and six-round pick at quarterback no Jonathan Taylor and in the offensive line that we now have to understand is just nine games in they've been one of the worst in the league and you add those things up this is what happens to six-round picks they get they get beaten and battered around and He's a tough kid, and guys in the locker room I talked to, you know, they think they're. Paris Campbell said he he will not get rattled by this, but that that still is different than finding all the solutions to what went on today. Um, it's not always going to be this bad, but these are real things. This this inability to just create nothing or something out of nothing as a scrambler, uh, you know, and and also to just he's got to be like you said a lot more decisive, quick, accurate with the ball especially down the field on some of these plays because they have such a hard time creating any explosive plays and what ultimately has happened with this offense is they made a change to try and you know guard against uh turnovers those went down for the most part they had the pick six which is unfortunate but they're not moving the ball now so it's just it's always one or the other with this offense the last piece of this offensively i think to talk about is frank reich um he doesn't have i think without the offensive line he doesn't have uh, the base that he needs for the offense um but also i mean ultimately he's right he blamed himself uh after the game i i'm aware that no one cares <laughs> uh in in that specific thing but he did he did take the blame on himself he kind of tried to take the blame for the entire offense on himself over the offensive line over all that stuff um and and there is there's a there's a like this does fall on him it's his offense uh i don't believe i don't really think he's been given enough with what they did on the offensive line lack of veterans just over the four years over the five years here uh they haven't given him enough but they, this this is bad like it, the offensive line the offense is so bad right now it's impossible to ignore uh it's a results-based business Reich knows that it hasn't been good enough there's there's some odd play calls i'm not a play calling person but kylan granson fullback dive is sort of a I don't want to say desperate, but just like confusing call, uh, I think. And, uh, and there's, there's some stuff like that. I, I think some of that just stems from, they don't know what to do in short yardage because they've been so bad in it because the offensive line, but this, this does ultimately fall on him. Um, and you know, I think most people know where this is, seems to be heading the way the, the way the season is going. Uh, and you know, I, I thought that in the post-game press conference, the acknowledgement of they've—he's tried a lot of things—is part of this. He really has tried a lot of different things. They've tried different offensive line combos. They've tried different game plans. They've tried, um, you know, they, they tried firing the offensive coordinator, the quarterback move. I think most of us understand that that was probably Jim Irsay, or, or was Jim Irsay as the genesis of that, but. It does fall on Frank Reich. He he's right. This the off he was brought here to have a good offense. He's not doing it this year. That's that was the biggest defense I think for one of the biggest defenses from Chris Ballard in the offseason for Reich was that they've they've been good on offense despite the quarterback changings. 
they're not good on offense this year. Ultimately, that does come down on the person who designs it and play, calls the plays. No doubt. It all comes back at the top eventually. And, you know, there are certain things that have, you know, that have worked against them, you know, health-wise. But, again, it comes back to that offensive line. He is in control of the guys coaching it, um, some of the, you know, the, the general scheme. There, there's just been a lot of little things with Reich that have added up this year, I think. I don't – you know, I'm not one of those – I. I, I still think he's a talented coach who's who's really shown it, Ooh. and uh, but yeah, it's just like there's little things throughout the year that, that he has fixed, but they became problems and, and cost them. Again, this is just a small example, but when they face Tennessee, Kylan Granson is blocking Jeffrey Simmons um, as part of the blocking scheme, and he he acknowledged it that week, and he did fix it to his credit. He is finding he's trying to find these solutions, but he's not seeing some of the problems before they arise and you know the, the not adjusting enough to the the, the jack Doyle disappearance you know finally they moved mo alley cox to almost full time there which i think did help the run game the past couple of weeks that took seven weeks to do well and even that i mean they they can't i don't think they've done all the jack doyle stuff at all this year i think i think we just see tight ends missing blocks okay we well assume, if we it's not if that stuff but i don't like if it's not a Jack Doyle great. thing, asking – I mean, he brought up Jack Doyle, first of all. He brought him up on his own and said, we've not adjusted to the loss of Jack Doyle. So that's just Frank Reich's words on it. Um, if if the Kylan Granson blocking Jeffrey Simmons wasn't that, whatever it is, it was terrible. Right, and right. You still don't want him doing it. There's a lot it, of right. stuff like that that has, that has crept up. So it ultimately falls on him. He is – and especially this week, um, firing Marcus Brady, he knew how that was going to look, and he kind of acknowledged that. That was him doubling down and saying, I'm taking control of this. And I just didn't feel like this was a very creative game plan today. I mean, I guess – If you could tell what the game plan was today, you're a better person than I am. Well, they didn't – there were things they tried last week that I they couldn't, didn't try this week. I couldn't tell what the game plan was. I think because I saw – Because it all got blown up. He said we have guys in here who can do the Naheem Hines plays. I didn't see those. Uh I mean, they didn't work last week when they tried to do some of the QB sweep stuff with Sam Ellinger, but they just they didn't try that stuff. And, yeah, a lot of it's – I mean, it's Bill Belichick. He takes you out of a lot of that. So that's it too. But, yeah, ultimately Frank Reich has, was hired here to protect the quarterback, get the most out of the, out of the quarterback. And, uh, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't happened this year. And it's on him to find solutions. Again, like I said, on, on a few things I think he's – addressed it but again big thing to me is the offensive line changes they've made have not solved it and there's one that was still out there you know with the guys coaching that unit and he doubled down on that and it doesn't look really good right now so nine games in it is on him and maybe there's a route to fixing it that's what he keeps bringing up you know I believe in the tracker you know what what I've seen this league and the way it can turn around it, it, well, it there's has, nothing he has but there no 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 he he has to yeah. you can't like he has to. There's no – he can't – I know people don't want to hear this. I know people would rather hear him say, I'm giving up on the season. But, like, there, there's – he has to believe that there's a, a way out. Otherwise, what's the point of going into work? Um, like, that's that's not just for him. That's for any coach in a losing situation. Yeah. If you If you don't feel like – if you don't feel like you can do better or get it improved, there's there's nothing left for you. So he has to believe that. But I think – Ultimately, everyone kind of sees where this is going. Um, the way this, the way the Colts' offense is, the disappointment of this season, the failed expectations—we all kind of see where this is going. 
Um, yep. And the last thing that I would would point to on this is that I don't want to. Everyone's going to get what they want, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I've been careful. A lot of fans have asked us sort of what's the mood of the locker room. If they like, I, you got to let it play out a little bit. You don't want to raid into a moment, a day. Obviously, the Matt, benching of Matt Ryan was shocking to guys. Shocking doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that it was that it's all going to be a problem. I let some of these things play out. Private parking. Um, but I just want to say that ever since that benching of Matt Ryan, there was shock, which was understandable, but. Each day has gotten worse in terms of the belief of the guy that that guys have and what they're doing, the answers they have, and uh, their willingness to talk on it. That happens in losing, but man, it's been a it's been a dark couple weeks. And even guys that you know, Paris Campbell today said, you know, the the, the quote that stands out to me is he said, you know, I've I apologize. I can't give you answers to these questions because I legitimately do not know them. And that I don't, is a tough place to be in. I ultimately don't think, I ultimately don't think Reich has any answers anymore either. Um, like he he's tried a lot of different things. They're 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 kind of they're they've running out of stuff to try. It personnel wise on the offensive line, um, quarterback wise, I just, I felt like today again not to not to bag on Ellinger because this isn't what you'd expect him to have to do. You'd expect a young quarterback to have to you have to support them, but. I I think Matt Ryan, you probably get more production from. I mean, it was 121 yards today. That this it's, it's just be not, hard not to. Yeah, they, this is the worst offensive output for the Colts since before Peyton Manning was here. Um, so like I, I think if you have Matt, I think if you stick with Matt Ryan, you know, it's a it's a different offense. It's probably a better offense, um, because they're not running the football. I think it's at least an offense that guys Maybe believe in. The turn the turnovers that has an identity. Yeah, the turnovers the turnovers were obviously a huge problem, but I do think you're right about the identity. It felt like they were getting somewhere with the passing game with Pierce, with Pittman, um, Campbell for sure. And, and we and we haven't seen that the last couple of weeks. And I think I think Matt Ryan in this situation you get more out of. And also we know that they had a belief in him and what they were doing even when it wasn't working. Because we saw them come back for three wins and for their tie that should have honestly been a fourth win if the kicker makes a field going overtime. Like, that was what they were good at was stabilizing it. And even when it looked ugly and even when they'd have turnovers, they almost always would figure something out at the end, give themselves a chance. And today looked so far from that. They looked like they had – the second that they were down and the, and the Patriots were just sort of playing safe and selling for field goals, it just was getting worse in terms of – the you know the mistakes. Yeah, the, I didn't there. understand why the Patriots ran or threw threw the ball at all in the second half. They didn't need to. That was actually the only way that they could have lost the game was if they'd thrown a pick to somebody yeah. for a pick six. Was and I like they they didn't have to do it. And the the thing about that is that kind of game plan is the kind of game plan that like the Saints ran when Kendall Hinton was the Denver Broncos quarterback. Like again, this isn't this isn't about Ellinger. This is about the entire offense. Is what I'm trying to say is the 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 Patriots, the Colts offense was so inept. That the Patriots just had to not, just had to not get in their own way to win the game. Yep, and Mac Jones said that when he said we knew our defense would take it over because of the circumstance the Colts' offense was in, which I think kind of sums up their season right now. They put themselves in a spot by introducing disarray in the middle of the season to, you know, where where Sam Ellinger looks lost against Bill Belichick, and it makes sense, and yet 
it didn't have to necessarily go this way, but it is going this way. And they don't have a way around it um, in these moments. I, or I don't know. It doesn't seem like anybody has answers at this point. Which means ultimately where I was just at, that everyone's going to think eventually going to get what they want, whether it's this week, whether it's down the line. It's going to happen at some point. Um, and then and then we'll see where the Colts go from there. Uh, for the Colts Cover 2 podcast, this has been the First Impressions Edition. I am Joel Erickson. This has been Nate Atkins. Thank <laughs> you.